This is the Gambling Gauchos. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in to the People's Post Game, sponsored by our friends over at Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm. They hope you never need them, but they are in your corner if you do. BHWLawFirm.com. All three partners are double Texas Tech grads. Tough loss to Kansas for the Red Raiders. Uh, Rob, how you doing tonight? I'm doing, man. You're doing. Yeah, I'm alive. Oh. Um, what do you say? This is this game. I think kind of perfectly sums up your season. Close, but no cigar. Um, a lot of fight, but not quite enough in this individual game, in the season. Not quite enough to get you to the NCAA tournament, barring a miracle in Kansas City. Yeah, these last two games, just not quite athletic enough, not quite skilled enough, not quite tough enough. Uh, played two good teams in TCU and Kansas, and just close, man. Close, but not good enough. Yeah, both losses very frustrating for different reasons. Um, as always, if y'all want to chime in, questions, comments, concerns, accusations, confessions, just request to speak, and we'll get to as many folks as possible. Um, the TCU game, it was that you fell way behind, came roaring back, Let's call it a controversial call at the end of the game. Whether that decided it or not, I think is debatable. And then today, kind of same story. You fall behind, you come back in a really tough environment. And between AMAC missing the front end of the one-on-one and Harmon splitting at the line, you leave three points at the free throw line in the last minute and a half. Um, And then despite that, there's a loose ball down two. You can take possession and can't quite corral the rebound. So, man, you're right there for 39 minutes and just, like you said, couldn't quite make the play at the end to um, try to get it to overtime or make it really interesting at the buzzer or something like that. And unfortunately, that's just been the story too many times in Big 12 play um, in terms of putting together an at-large worthy NCAA tournament resume. Yeah, and who grabs the ball? on the loose ball to uh, put the dagger. And after the timeout, the the play design to ISO Pop Isaacs, fine, it works. He got a shot off at the rim, but why is that not Davian Harmon? I mean, it's been Harmon the last half of Big 12 play that's been successful with that. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't not like Pop Isaacs in that situation, but it just seems that, like it should have been Harmon. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, not that it wound up mattering, but some of the personnel decisions were confusing to me. Um, again, sort of serving as a microcosm for the entire season. Um, Elijah Fisher has looked promising when they put him out there. He's not a totally polished player. He doesn't have a complete 
game yet, but he's flashed. Um, he looked pretty good in the first half. Gets almost no run in the second half, and then they put him in with like a minute left, I, I guess, because they were like, well, we need to stop. Okay, well, if he helps you get stopped, why is he not out there more often throughout the course of the game? And so I think during this last, I don't know, eight or nine game stretch when you've sort of turned things on a little bit, he's been a, a role player in that. And so it does beg the question, like, where was he in the first half of Big 12 play? Um, so, yeah, not to harp on that or anything. And then the decision to maybe not go away from the three-point shot sooner. Um, I think you finished two for 16, which, uh, needless to say, is not very good at all. And then when you did attack, you were able to get a few foul calls and manufacture some points at the free throw line. I don't know if anybody had a really good shooting night, so that was sort of your best bet at putting points on the board on the offensive end of the floor. But, yeah, it just kind of seemed like too little too late for that strategy. Yeah, too little too late. It's a popular phrase around Texas Tech basketball this season. Um, and I, 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 we were talking about it earlier on the, uh, the radio broadcast – uh, afternoons on KKM, but it, does this make you feel any better having a close game? Um, this truly was a win or lose situation. A lot of times with young teams, you can, you know, play well against the team and feel good for later. Uh, there's no later left in this season and there's no guarantee this roster is back together next year. So, it really is just a gut punch against TCU and a gut punch or a kick in the huevos against Kansas tonight and with no redeeming factors because you just lost. And you just lost this season. And moving forward, uh, you say Elijah Fisher doesn't play a lot in the second half. Well, why not? Because he's one of the guys that you're trying to get better for next year if he returns. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, People's Post Game, sponsored by our friends at Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm, bhwlawfirm.com. That has been, in my opinion, a somewhat unfortunate sentiment from the fan base all season was, I think, sort of using the roster makeup as a bit of a crutch, saying like, oh, well, these guys are young, like we're going to build up something. And it's just, it can't be overstated the extent to which you cannot take for granted that anybody comes back next year. Like, imagine late February last year saying that Kevin McCullough was going to transfer in conference. Like, he was a legacy. He was a multi-year starter. That would have been a pretty outlandish thought. But here we are. So it's a great thought to say, oh, well, these young guys, Isaacs, Fisher, uh, Tyson, Bacho, uh, you know, they're they're building, they're growing, they're going to come back. Well, like, that's not – that's far from a certainty in today's landscape, and that's not any, like, inside intel on, on those guys or, or this roster specifically. It's just the way of the world right now. Um, if you're listening and you have thoughts, questions, comments of your own, feel free to chime in. Uh, but, yeah, to answer your question, like, I guess on one hand, I am glad that this team was much more competitive down the stretch. Um, 
it was just looking so brutal through the first half of Big 12 play and even going back to Maui and the non-con and being like, okay, we haven't notched any quality wins. And so the fact that they were for a brief moment in time in the bubble conversation, um, you know, on one hand, that's a good thing. But, yeah, it's also kind of like, hey, we we were just about ready to sort of write off this season in January. And, you know, we could have sort of turned the page um, had they not made this late season resurgence. So I don't know. I don't know if it's better to just sort of struggle it out and have sort of a clear indication of the, of the state of the program and, and make changes accordingly, or if it's better to fight back, show a lot of resolve, and ultimately come up short. I I, I see it both ways, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what changes are there to be made. Staff changes, roster changes. Um, the roster change seems like it's inevitable. Just is going to be what it is. But staff changes, I don't know what's open there. I, I mean, I'm not making a move with Mark Adams, or at least I don't think Texas Tech will. Um, the assistant coaches may leave or may not leave, but I think the assistant coaches that people want to leave aren't going to leave if the head coach doesn't leave. So you're kind of just stuck there, right? Yeah, and, you know, will the assistant coaches be allowed to do their job next season? Uh, Ty, you are first in the queue. What's up, buddy? Well, another night, another kick in the Grady deck. I'm sorry, I had to. I mean, this is like, this is what was keeping me going. These jokes were the only thing keeping me going here. So uh, please indulge me. Um, Man, I think I said like the last time I chimed in, the team is so close to being okay, uh, but they just don't stack things that, you know, that they improve on from game to game very well. Like I actually thought the thing that pissed me off about TCU was I just thought we were so undisciplined on defense. A lot of backdoor cuts get, that just were being missed. You know, this one, I thought we played a lot tighter on defense. We just couldn't, we couldn't hit water if we fell out of a boat today. You know, there's just no one who can, you know, step up consistently on offense. I like these dudes. I don't know what the roster's going to look like, but man, God, another thing about just guys like Pop, I really hate singling anybody out. You see the talent there, but man, we have got to recruit a point guard, like a real, a guy who has really good vision. Pop averages about 2.7 assists for the season, and his game plan later today was just drive, turn around, and fuck it, throw it up. I'm probably getting fouled, hopefully. But it's you just have got to get. And I don't. It might be a coaching thing, like you guys are talking about, as far as assistant coaches being able to run the offense. But it reminds me a lot of when, you know, we had dudes like um, I think his name was Will Clark. This was one of Beard's early years, kind of a point forward dude, and man, we need some help at that position for some just a playmaker to set guys up for easy shots because. You know, even the ones, even, you know, nights like tonight, I thought we had some okay shots that we had. We just couldn't hit them. But just been a bit tough year. And um, don't know what, like you guys talked about, I don't know what the roster stuff is going to look like. I'm actually, I hope we can keep Tyson. But, you know, I'd understand it if some guys wanted to move on. But I'm okay overall with the staff. I mean, I'm not, the, I'm not the type of dude who's, I think if you've won coach of the year, you've probably earned a whiff. One. Um, I think the only thing that I don't like is just the rhetoric about, 
you know, we need guys to fall in love with defense. Like, you know, we grew, a lot of us who grew up in the 2000s knew a coach who said, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So, you know, Adam's my man. That starts with you, dude, is helping these, you know, trying to get these guys to play our defense. We don't take any charges. That was something I used to hear all the time. The, the precipitous drop in other fans bitching about us taking charges has not happened this year. Um, and I don't think it's really because of the flop rule. I think it's just mostly because we're just not as – we don't have guys who get quickly into position to set their feet to take fouls. Anyway, that's all I got. Tough one. Hope everybody's staying healthy. Yeah, good thoughts. And I think part of what you hit on is the the role of the dice that is the modern era of transfer portal. Um, last season, you land Bryson Williams, who was, I think – um, by a, a decent margin, your best player and just incredibly reliable. Um, and then, you know, the, the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. You lose Kevin McCullough, you lose TJ Shannon. I think they brought in some guys this year that they were expecting to contribute a little bit more. And so, you know, if if the roster shakeup is as dramatic as I expect it to be just by the nature of modern college athletics, you, you know, you're going to have three or four spots um, at least to go portaling again and, you know, do you get three or four Bryson Williams, TJ Shannon types, or, um, you know, if you whiff again, I, I could see it being a bit of a, a rebuild. But then again, if a lot of the guys who stay are that, that freshman core, um, maybe they make a leap and sort of become your more experienced players and leaders. So anyway, I'll be very curious to kind of follow the roster makeup this off season. Um, Chase, you are next in the People's Post game, sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams. What do you got for us? So are we uh, we going to talk track now, or like what are, what are we focusing well, on? Well, baseball is nine and zero. Track is indoor chance, so it, it's not all doom and gloom. No, no, it is. No, we we got a rankings came out today. We're we're ranked fourth in the nation. I think we could sneak in and win the thing. But uh, my question about tonight is. The, is that McCullers like official career highlight for him? Because he's he's going to be like what okay or mid in the G League in the, for a couple of years, and then end up like in Europe probably. That's all I really got, honestly. I do love the dedication of Texas Tech fans to Hammer McCuller. The dude was the best player on Texas Tech's team for off and on for three seasons, <clears throat> and we just talk about about him like he was so bad. He was. No, he was not. He was. He had great basketball IQ. He was a leader. He was awful on offense. I mean, uh, I think we misremember a lot. The, we, Texas Tech was not very good his freshman year, and for the last two weeks, he was one of the best players on the team. Top two, top three player on the team for three straight years. And we talk about him like we, we didn't lose anything. And he's going for double doubles down the stretch for Kansas on the best team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I have I have zero respect for anybody who it's like the Kevin Durant move. Like I'm gonna leave my team to go play for the reigning NBA finals champs. It's the same thing he did. So like yeah, you can talk to about the on court skill, but to me there's just zero competitor respect there for somebody who does that, especially in conference. Um and it's well, not like fair, he's but... slumming it at Texas Tech. Like we're like okay, Bryson Williams goes from UTEP to Tech, um, ostensibly to play a higher level of basketball to get better coaching, but to leave the National Coach of the Year and to leave a team that was at the Sweet Sixteen 
that plays in the same conference as Kansas, so you're playing the same level of competition, is a weak move. And so I'm not even debating his skill on the court. That That's why people don't care for McCuller. And that's why the favorability ratings for Shannon are so much higher. He went to Illinois. He did it. He only announced it once instead of four times. And I think he did it, handled that much more appropriately than McCuller did. You also have to remember what last year, uh, Baylor and Waco was the only real game where he showed up and shined. How many other moments did he have the ball in his hands where he did nothing with it? All right, now I'm going to leave the topic alone. Hey, by the way, uh, earlier, uh, Will Clark was referenced. Will Clark, former Texas Ranger. Chris Clark, former Texas Tech Red Raider basketball player. I was racking my brain to remember a, a Tech basketball player named Will Clark. I was like, uh, maybe maybe Ty's just remembering a guy that I forgot about. But, yeah, Chris Clark makes – yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, Chris Clark was the kid from Virginia Tech that came to Texas Tech and everyone thought was going to be this athletic super freak – I believe the year after, maybe him and TJ Holyfield came in, and the dude just couldn't dribble. It was amazing. I'd rather have uh, Chris Clark than Kevin McCuller. <laughs> um, no, you wouldn't. Start bench cut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, any any other thoughts on on tonight specifically, Rob? We've kind of done a lot of um, broader perspective discussion here. Start bench cut, uh, Andre Savrasov, who is the second team all conference player this year. Um, Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon. Start TJ Shannon, bench McCuller, cut Savrasov. Oh, and uh, I saw Big Russ making free throws the other day for South Florida. Maybe. Yeah, um, I'm just glad he's here. He had, I think, visa issues right before the season, and he yes, he was he like did. literally almost stuck in I think Cameroon. Maybe uh, I might have the country wrong, but um, anyway, yeah, good for Big Russ. Um, I don't have the other two options here, but I'm also cutting in a start bench cut. I'm cutting Chris Beard's refusal to develop a big man for more than one season. He gave up so fast. Uh we need to check in on Josh Imbala too. At uh, yeah, MS. he's back. He, in the he was the first one. Uh, he turned into a dude at Buffalo. Chewa, yeah. one and done. Vladislav Golden, one and done. Savrasov, one and done. I feel like I'm missing another one. But he was like, oh, yeah, here's an athletic big man. Oh, no, never mind. After your true freshman season, we're just going to move off of you and refuse to develop anyone. That was frustrating. Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. Bacho stuck around. Yeah. Um, I think he just wanted to experience guys. Like, he wanted Tariq Owens, TJ Holyfield, Silva, which Holyfield was like maybe six foot seven. And he played like 36 minutes a night at the five. Um, anyway, anything else on tonight? I, I don't have anything else. Um, I think it was Andy Mitz maybe was putting out all the stats earlier about Bill Self. Um, Kansas is just really good to close seasons out, have been, will be. It's frustrating, but this is not a loss I am surprised about. So I, I don't know. I 
I think even even with the the TCU game last week, I think that game was a uh, more painful because it's at home because it's TCU because you're getting swept again by TCU. Uh, this Kansas loss, better coach, better roster, uh, home field, home court advantage for the other team. Uh, it's Big Twelve basketball. You have to win at home. And you think back to Oklahoma, you think back to the game you lost against Kansas in Lubbock. Uh, there's a lot of games this year you should have had uh, that should have made this game not matter as much. You put yourself in the situation for this game to matter, and you couldn't get it done. Yeah, it's pretty daunting to tell any squad, hey, you have to go into the fog and win to keep your tournament hopes alive. I know fans were frustrated last season with your struggles on the road but when you go 9 and 0 at home you give yourself quite a bit of margin for error where even if you only win 3 out of your 9 road games in conference play that's a great season like 12 and 6 in this conference is great and this season correct me if i'm wrong you have 3 big 12 home wins out of 8 and you could notch another against Oklahoma state but even then you're looking at a sub-500 record at home, which was supposed to be one of this program's biggest advantages. Um, that is not a a path to success. Now, you're not going to go undefeated at home every year, but if you're not winning six or seven, you're making it really hard on yourself to get to the postseason. And that's where, yeah, you had no business losing to the Sooners in Lubbock. You drop a couple close ones, Kansas, TCU at home, Oklahoma State. Uh, sorry, that one was in Stillwater. But um, I think only the big comeback against Iowa State, the win against Texas, and Kansas State might finish the year as your yep. only three Big 12 wins. And that in and of itself is a huge step back from where you were last season going completely undefeated non-conference and Big 12 play in Lubbock. Yeah, and you look around and, you know, West Virginia competitive at home and I guess it's frustrating even more that West Virginia hammered you in Lubbock and Baylor just ran away with it in Lubbock too. So there were a couple of games you didn't even look competitive at home and you struggled against some non-con at home. It just, overall, it was not a good year for the USA. Hey, by the way, in the USA tomorrow, I believe, the Lady Raiders playing TCU uh, to keep their tournament homes a lot, tournament hopes alive. Uh, if not the NCAA, at least the NIT. Uh, big one for the Lady Raiders there. Absolutely. I don't know why the heart logo that is on my reaction is purple. Hold down, man. Hold down on the heart. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, there you Get go. a red there one. There you go. There it is. And a black one in Look here. Look at it. I didn't want to do Purple Hearts during a, a TCU discussion there. Yeah, I got it, though. I appreciate the help. Um, okay, so the Big 12, barring something stupid happening in Kansas City, um, over under seven and a half bids. Oh, man. I think uh... – if if Oklahoma State beats Texas Tech on Saturday, I think they're in. So let's say under. 
You mean over? No, I I'm picking Texas Tech to be to beat Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. I thought you were. I misheard. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. West Virginia winning on the road in Ames, more or less. I mean, I don't know. They could still finish six and twelve, which is not a record that you normally see make the NCAA tournament. But I also don't see one more regular season loss dropping them from the right side of the bubble all the way down. Um, I think West Virginia, if they get one more, whether it's regular season, which I believe is in Morgantown or in Kansas City, they should be in. So I feel pretty confident about seven. Um, I think them and Oklahoma State, though, are kind of like the two bubble teams now. And and you're right. I think if Oklahoma State wins in Lubbock, they're in. Um, if not, they probably have some work to do in Kansas City and will probably enter the Big 12 tournament on the wrong side of the bubble. I'm going snug under. I think you'll get seven at this point. And I, I'm not rooting for Texas Tech to lose, but I I do kind of want it to be an eight-bit league. So I hope, I hope Texas Tech can win and you still get as many teams in as possible. I hope Tech runs the table in Kansas City and – makes this an eight or nine bid league that'd be awesome just very unlikely are you about to start chanting big 12 or something what's going on no no um i think i think my position on this is clear i want i want the conference to be perceived as the best in the country but i don't want anybody going too far and having like final four type bragging rights so i want them to make it I want them to not get embarrassed on the first weekend, and then I'm just fine watching our conference rivals lose after that. Fair enough. Uh, does the dripless moron have something to say? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think uh, – can I just answer the seven-and-a-half question? Yes. Although I think after tonight and us dropping to five and 12, I proved I have drip. Uh, but – I mean, I think Oklahoma State, if they beat us, obviously they're in. Um, I think they still have a chance of not because they probably play OU in the first round in Kansas City if they lose to us and they probably beat OU. But um, West Virginia, as long as they can beat K-State in Manhattan or beat us in KC, they're in. I mean, 7-11 with the non-con they had should be enough to get you in because it's pretty comparable to Iowa State's last year. And Iowa State, I mean, the Big 12 just wasn't as deep last year. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Um, the The Big 12 tournament, I thought, was locked up the seating-wise um, a couple of days ago. But it feels like uh, there has been some movement. And yes. if if te- answer me this, you might know this. If Texas and Kansas share the Big 12 title, who's the one seed? Do you know? I believe uh, it goes to the highest record of teams beneath them. They both lost a game to K-State, and Texas went 0-2 against Baylor, and Kansas beat them once, right? I don't... Yes, if, well, Texas has to win this weekend, so they would split. Yeah, if they split. I, I think either way, Kansas is the one. I'm not 100%. I know eight and nine is probably us in West Virginia. Maybe OU sneaks in there, but that'd be kind of surprising. But it looks like it's going to be Bedlam on Wednesday night, and there's still a good chance we get both Farmageddon and Baylor TCU on uh, Thursday. That would be pretty cool. Uh, Jackson, I know you have the 
tiebreaker procedure correct, but I'd have to go back and like double check if if Baylor swept Texas. I know they beat them at least once, um, but yeah, yeah, that's how they would determine it. Um, what else? Tech baseball looked good today. Uh, I believe Blessy. Do we hear blister? I think we heard not blister, which not blister. Yeah. Oh well, that's not good. I guess I missed. The I update. think I saw that pop up on the Discord, but I haven't. Dang. Well, that's tough. But uh, another one against Air Force tomorrow, and then you go to Houston. If anybody's in Houston, hit me up. I'll be at uh, Minute Maid all for three days. Yeah, somebody in the Discord said, confirmed, not a blister for Blessy. And I don't know if that was, I don't know if that's like secondhand from an actual official reporter, if he's saying he's got sources or something, but it doesn't sound good. Was it the guy that said it or somebody else? No, somebody else. Okay, well, I'll trust the guy. Yeah, so I'll wait far. to hear from Red Raider Dugout, part of the Staking the Plains content network. Um... I want to clarify again because Big Hen is also already roasting me in the Discord. I'm not going to be like face painting green and gold rooting for Baylor in the NCAA tournament. Uh, definitely not rooting for Texas or TCU under any circumstances. Here's the thing, guys. It's all about balance. You don't want everybody in the Big 12 to lose because then we'll be the joke of the of the college basketball scene. So you got to pick your battles. So we're rooting against Texas and TCU. Um, we're rooting for teams that are not our rivals, like Iowa State, Kansas State, West Virginia, and then. But yeah, not not to go too too far. But we need to notch a few wins in the tournament. That's all I'm saying. True or false? Uh, there are gambling gauchos logos for every Big Twelve school in the hateful eight. True, dude. And <laughs> how about this? A uh, a West Virginia burner account dedicated to Garrett Green, their quarterback. He, yeah, he I adopted the the blue and gold one. Uh, and I was like, hey, hey yeah, these are your initials. Go for it. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we might. I don't know. We might have some kind of way to bust those out in the near future, and that may or may not be Phase Four related. Guess we'll have to wait and see. Oh, uh, update from Don Williams. Uh, Tim Tablock after the game said, obviously, when you come out of a game in the third, in the third of an inning, 18, 19 pitches in, probably not good. He's had a history of having some soreness in the same spot. It just reared its head again. So he felt like he needed to get out of there, and obviously we're going to do what's best for him. So there you go. Anytime a pitcher gets sore in a spot they've been sore before that, doesn't sound like good news. Yeah, I'm sore in the same spot every morning, so I understand. I would say don't pitch him until Big 12 play at the earliest, even if he feels fine. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's a situation where you don't stretch him back out to a starter and you just have him um, in spots in weekends and maybe save him that way. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or at least do a do shedder and give him the first couple innings and make him an opener. Yeah. This 
this basketball season sucked, but at least we're going to Omaha. Oh yeah. From your lips to God's ears. I think that was a good ender, Kyle. Okay, we'll think. Oh, hang on. Oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> we got about twenty minutes left. <laughs> right at the buzzer, our uh, friend Carson comes in. I think he's still loading. Um, Carson, whenever that connects, feel free to shoot your shot. Thanks for chiming in on the People's Post game sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams. No, I was just going to chime in on the blessy stuff. Um, you know, any time dealing with arm injuries, going from that myself, it's one of those deals where, you know, I think you're right, Kyle. I don't know that you throw him until you need him in Big 12 play. And then Rob took the words out of my head, going with the Duchetter type situation. Find someone who matches up well with him, um, you know, start him or bring him in right after. Uh, I think those situations where he's not throwing upwards of 75, 80 pitches in a game, keep him at 50 or below maybe, I think you could see a lot more of him rather than bringing him back too soon and then he's done for the rest of the season. I do like saving him until, you know, let him get healthy, see what he can do in, in Big 12 play. Yeah, that'll be an interesting development to follow. I think if there is a silver lining – uh, it, it seems at least the coaching staff has confidence in a fair amount of pitching depth. You saw some of that tonight. I think Beckel looked really good. I think Bravo looked really good. Um, blanking on the young man's name who came in right after Blessy, but he pitched really well. Um, Josh Sanders. Sorry, not not him. The guy who went several innings, three or four innings, I think, in the middle of the game. Oh, Erd Erdman. Um, thought his stuff looked good. Of course, Mason Molina, I think they feel really good about. Um, so anyway, hopefully there's enough there that if this is a long-term deal for Blessy, they can still find three really good weekend starters, Trenton Parrish, um, and while also kind of maintaining some depth out of the bullpen. So, but yeah, I had really high hopes for Blessy after, after his outing versus Gonzaga two weekends ago and just the way uh, Keith and others talked about him coming out of the off season, so that's unfortunate for him if that does keep him out for a while. But we'll, I guess, just hope for the best and see what happens. Just so everyone knows, Carson's credentials: former uh, Amarillo Gold Poodle. Is that what it was, Carson? <laughs> prairie dogs, Brad. Before <laughs> oh, the sod poodles, that? before the sod poodles, we had the prairie dog, and it was the Amarillo Gold socks before the sod poodles showed oh, up. But yeah, okay, right. I, I got yeah. Cross it, cross the golden yeah. beetles. You never know. You, you could put them in together, and it could be enough. We could open up our Lubbock uh, minor league team, right? There we go. <laughs> the golden doodles, the golden there poodles, whatever it was. The, but, you know, Kyle said it right, too. The, the depth of the arms that you're going to have in the bullpen this year, you know, it's early. Yeah, you've you've played Gonzaga, Western Illinois, who was terrible. And then Air Force, who's not a terrible Mountain West team. But it already looks like that Tim Tedlock isn't afraid to go to, you know, more arms this year than he was last, last year. It was kind of, you know, flip a coin, who's coming out of the bullpen and will they give you quality innings? I think you're seeing some quality innings out of the bullpen early, which is nice to see versus what you saw last year, um, you know, heading towards a big tournament in Houston this weekend where you feel pretty comfortable where you're at pitching wise and the, and the lineup as well. So it, it's a lot different than how you felt last year, beginning of the season, as far as arms go for sure. Yeah. You didn't even figure out your third weekend starter until pretty much the last couple series of big 12 plays when 
Chase Hampton really kind of got it figured out. Uh, but up until that point, as good as Morris and Birdsell were, um, you didn't really have an answer for Sunday and certainly not in the midweek. And I feel like there's a lot more depth this season. So hopefully Blessy's okay. But, um, but yeah, it, unfortunately injuries happen, and I feel like you're more equipped to deal with them this season than you would have been last year. Rob, any final thoughts? Yeah, man. I got them. I got thoughts. I don't really want to say them tonight, but uh, we will say them on uh, Thursday night on uh, Twitch. If you want to follow us on Twitch, go to patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos. Yeah, one more note there. I'm guessing most of the folks listening follow us on Twitter have seen us tease this phase four announcement, which will be tomorrow at 12.01 p.m. Um, Going to be a huge announcement, and we've given some pretty heavy-handed hints in the Discord server, um, but want to thank everybody who listens and follows along. Uh, been doing this podcast for about a year and a half, and tomorrow's announcement, I think, will uh, sort of illustrate how much we've grown, Rob, and that's all credit and all due to our listeners so we're very appreciative for all of you for joining the spaces interacting here or commenting on our youtube streams or if you listen on apple spotify wherever um we would just be two dudes kind of barking into the void without y'all and so we've appreciated y'all's support ever since we launched this thing and have a lot of fun with y'all and hope y'all have as much fun as we do uh talking about these games Love y'all. Love y'all. Barnett, Howard, and Williams.